Hello and welcome to Touchline from Casper Els and Mark Cameron. Hello, Mark. Hi, Cas. Nice being back in studio. All different tonight. We're not physically there, but uh, nice to chat with some old faces as well. Yes, definitely. Dan van Sale. Dan, welcome back and thank you for joining us again. Um, old friend of ours. Welcome. Yeah, no, Casper. Thanks a lot, man. I'm I'm sorry that I can't be in sunny South Africa at the moment, but uh, you know, virtual will have to do. So, from a cold island, uh, thanks for having me on again. And your pleasure. Um, talking a little bit about um, the uh, academy, rugby academy island, and um, your success in the tens, Dan. Tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, I know. You know, um, me and my business partner, Johan, we, we spoke the other day and we actually always, you always, when you have a business, you always think of what can we do better and, and that sort of thing, you know, not realizing the success that you, you get and going down it. Then we've been quite successful uh, with players and, and then coaches itself as well, not bragging about myself, but, uh, you know, going, going to Portugal, uh, you know, on the on the tenth championship was was experience in itself, and uh, mm. uh, you know, great to be part of great coaches. You know, a lot will be known in South Africa, like Sean Erasmus and you know Reino Combrink and all those sort of Bram van Straat and all those sort of guys coaching there as well. So it was it was great for me to be part of that championship and and to mingle with those coaches. And Dan, if I can just ask there, um, obviously we we've been fortunate that Sean Erasmus himself was in, was in studio with us before, um, and you are right. Um, I follow quite a few of them, and they all migrated to to Portugal. But um, you know, one one you you spoke about earlier to say not that you want to brag, but sometimes if we as coaches don't brag, then no one brags for us. So. Um, <laughs> But it's nice to know that the quality of coaches worldwide, not only the South Africans that were there, um, that participated, but only so many coaches can take their teams through to the finals. And you did that. Uh, so firstly, from my side, as I said, when we chatted earlier, well done on that. And I know it's from an Irish point of view and obviously so forth, but you're South African. But uh, talk to us a little bit about that. And obviously, you guys, you guys didn't manage to, to play the final. Um, obviously, I think it was because of COVID and that. But I mean, that's quite a setback, isn't it? Yeah, I know it was hugely, you know. And I and I think, uh, you know, the other coaches will probably say I bragged too much, you know, because I I took the Mickey out of them a little bit uh, in the evening after the first day and saying, is there any other unbeaten coaches around? Uh, you know, uh, because <laughs> we were the only unbeaten team uh, there. And I must compliment Heather Fisher, who's an who's a England legend, you know, that coached with me. Uh, she was absolutely outstanding. Um, and then Brahma, myself, uh, with Red, uh, Regional Nut, uh, you know, we were part of the Elephants coaching group, um, you know, and the whole tournament would have been uh, men and women and academy players together who wins the championship. So, yeah, no, it, it was the experience in itself. You know, we drafted players at the start American draft system where there were 16 names on a piece of paper. And that's basically what you knew. And uh, next to it was from Mexico or from Brazil and a position, you know. And what I quickly found out is I picked a Mexican girl 
that on the piece of paper said it's a prop. And when she arrived, she weighed <laughs> 42 kgs and was a scrum half, you know. Oh, so, so that was part of the, of the whole thing that I found fascinating. So picked 16, 15 players on a piece of paper and then arrived the Monday in Portugal and you met them for the first time. Uh, and then prepare them for the week, prepare them for the week as best you could, and then play the tense championship uh, on the weekend. And it was the first time that I, I played tense before, but first time that I coached it. And then you came up against all these other coaches and strategies. One team mauled every line out. Another team played it more like sevens uh, and that sort of stuff. And then get to know the players and, and so on. And a pity that last day didn't happen. Uh, Everybody got PCR tested on the Saturday afternoon by a lab coming in so that they can fly back the Monday. And then Saturday night, we're sitting in the hotel and, you know, then a message comes in, she's positive, he's positive yeah. and that sort of thing. But I think it's a great concept and something for the future. So if I can just ask you a question on that quickly. Um, and I agree with you because it's, you know, you, you're getting all these players, ladies and, and gents now from all over the world. and they all migrate to Portugal this year. Um, but uh, for, for aspirant players out there, because that's also obviously a place where you can put up your hand and players can, and, and coaches from around the world can see you and showcase your stuff. How do players apply for something like that? And yourselves as coaches, how do you get involved? Just for our, for our viewers and our listeners out there. Look, I was fortunate in being asked by Reino Combrink, uh, you know, would I would I like to be involved? And and I said yes. So so back to your question, I think a lot of the players are players that is known or were known. Uh, you know, now the likes of Sicil Africa and Mark McNulty and, yeah. you know, top players that's been out there anyway. But I think a lot of the South African players that was over there was guys that would have played varsity cup but not get into provincial setup yeah. and so on and and use this as another vehicle to to get seen on the on the international stage you know and the women the women being the same uh, although there's not professional uh, rugby for women out there at the moment or not uh, that much it's also to showcase their talents and then at the academy level uh, you know, I took six Irish girls over that was part of my academy, not knowing what to expect and so on. And as it turned out, they were, you know, almost a star. Well, one of them was the star of the show, you know. So that gives me a good reference now to go back to the organization next time and say, look, there are these quality of players or there are these quality of coaches around, uh, you know, to make it an even better product than, than what it is. But um, to answer your question, it was um, players that applied uh, through the website, players that applied to um, to get there, and then some coaches would have had uh, coached players before and asked, can they be involved? So I think that will develop uh, as it goes on. So when you say that... Of course, the, is plan is, the plan is... Sorry, the plan is to have... I understand it a four uh, or six tournament event over a season, you know, and wow. pretty okay. much like the pretty much like yeah. the sevens, you know, and okay. Paris, uh, Brazil, uh, or Rio in in Brazil, Las Vegas oh. in in the states, and so on. That's venues that's been mentioned. So I think that's the plan for for next year. Right, and then just from a cost 
point of view? Do they all fit the bill themselves or is there sponsors involved? No, every player got paid uh, to be there. So it, it's a professional tournament in that sense. Every coach uh, got paid to be there. And I think uh, the plan is, is going forward that the franchises will be sold off. Uh, okay, similar to IPL. Similar to IPL, yes. That, that the person will buy the right. Serengeti, Serengeti elephants and that will be his, his sort of franchise and so on. I think I don't want to jump the gun, but I think that's, that's the plans in the future. And uh, it sounds very exciting and hopefully... Mm. You know, I can be involved uh, with that going forward yeah. uh, again. Just don't forget, you've got some South African friends this side that would like to go with you. <laughs> yeah, I know. No, definitely. <laughs> definitely. You know, and, and we had actually one of my star players, again, I didn't know her at all, but was Felicia Jacobs uh, from Cape Town. You know, brilliant scrum half, you know. Um, and, and she actually had a huge part to play in, in our success right. in the day. Yeah, no, well done, well done. Um, Dan, if I can ask you now, um, club level, uh, your involvement now in club level, how did it go? Um, tell us a little bit about your, your season, if there was any. Yeah, look, our club, our club season is actually still busy. We're playing our last game before Christmas on, on Sunday. Um, I moved to what they call in Ireland a junior club. I coached all Ireland league. Division one for 15 years and uh, now coaching a junior club that's got the aspirations of, of becoming an All-Island League club. So I've taken them over and uh, so far so good. We've we've lost one game, um, played, played uh, how many have we played? We played eight games uh, or nine games, won eight, lost one. Um, so we top off the lock at the moment. So hopefully, come Christmas time, uh, we can still be there. That uh, when we spoke to you last, I think it was probably about a year ago. That's more or less when you when you moved there, and then COVID hit, and you guys had to restart. And I always get it wrong because when I when when I went to Ireland to your academy, obviously we stayed in that area that was nice, as you spell yeah. it. Yeah. But you don't say it like that. So that, that was your previous club, am I right? Then you went to this one. Yes, nice. Uh, yeah, nice. you spell it nice, but it's you you pronounce it nice. And now now I'm with Wicklow Rugby Club, uh, as I say, which will have a great um, underage tradition in the sense of they always produce, you know, like Josh van der Flyer, the Irish okay. number yeah. seven. Yeah. Uh, it will be his local or his club. Uh, they've okay. got great underage structure, but then all the guys disappear into senior clubs, as it's called in Ireland, you know. So, um, and that's what they're now trying to to get right is is to become a senior club themselves. Their women team play in the All Ireland League, um, but their men's have never have never uh, accomplished that. Well, if you know, if you look at your success that you've had and whatever you've been doing, then obviously you guys are building in, in, in the right direction. And I have to speak under correction, I think your academy obviously plays a role in that because um, I've, been, I've been following your academy quite often. And uh, you guys have had quite a bit of success from a, from a student's point of view and coaches coming through there over the last month or two plus. Yeah, no, definitely, you know, and that's what Johan and myself discussed and, and we're trying to 
to make people aware of it now, uh, you know, through social media and so on. Because as I say, business-wise, you always think what you can improve on and you, you forget what you've done well, you know, like Shalma, just even coaches Shalma Larbo, who's a ex uh, uh, head of SNC at Western Province and uh, was a strength and conditioning coach for the Stormers. He was involved with us through us, you know, uh, became contact skills coach for the Leinster women's. Uh, and now is also, you know, one of the private schools here, St. Gerard's College. He's now taken over their whole uh, SNC department, you know. So we've been a great um, sure. stepping yeah. stone, I guess, for him yeah. as well. Uh, Johan is going back to Sri Lanka now in December oh, okay. and January, yeah. you know, going to coach uh, there again. I've been involved uh, in Portugal. You know, we've done coach development in the Netherlands this year where we've gone oh. over for for a weekend and then player wise uh sean snayman one of our players played for the spanish side uh in this tournament that was in south africa with the cheetahs and kenya and the sharks and, and all of that and he's now um been selected as part of the canadian national academy um you know we've got a uh, another player playing or two players playing in France at the moment, one for Nevis, one for Pau in, in their academy oh. systems uh, in the USA uh, and so on. So Erin uh, King, who's a girl, she represented, she's still actually in school, but already he's contracted by Ireland in the sevens and, and just one in Dubai oh. now again. Um, another, another girl that's with us, she represented Belgium in the Dubai sevens and played for the French barbarians. So, so once we stack it up, there's actually yeah, been, been quite a bit of success and, and, mm. and we're very proud of it being, mm. being so young in, uh, in existence, you know? Uh, no, and we're proud of, proud of uh, being associated with you guys. Um, obviously. Uh, by no, I just hope, I just hope COVID. <laughs> yeah. I just hope COVID, COVID, uh, you know, makes us that we can travel again so that we get you guys yeah. over again or a group like yourselves as coaches, you yeah. know, to to share ideas. Because again, I probably wouldn't have gone to Portugal if Reino Combrink wasn't part of that coach mm. development group, uh, yeah. you know, that came over and, and so on. So uh, through, through seeing what we do, you know, being part of your show and so on, you know, those sort of things happen, and at the end of the day, it's all about spreading the the rugby word, word. Uh, yeah, to, to people. You know. No, believe us, we'll continue spreading the good word. You're obviously, you South African, and and we we appreciate what you do for sport as well. You know. So. Ah, <laughs> oh, thanks, but but even the sharks, you know, closer to home for you, you know. Um, no, myself would have worked together and coached a lot against each other. Uh, and so on, you know. And since he's uh, since he's arrived in the Sharks, uh, it seems like they they're doing better. <laughs> Gosh, before you ask a question, I know I've been talking a lot, but I have to ask Dan this question, and then we're going to go to the U uh, to the United Rugby Championship. Uh, Dan, I don't know if you were um, the what's the word I'm looking for the. <laughs> The one that derailed the Bulls, yeah. But when they went to Ireland, <laughs> you met up with Jake White and, and so on. And part of your statement on Facebook was obviously <laughs> that they met with you now, so they'll do better. My question is, 
What happened on on Friday night against the Sharks? <laughs> Jeez, I I don't know. I've been trying, and I've actually sent Gert Smal a text message as well, and so I've tried to. to I met, yeah, I, and I actually met Willem Strauss, and yeah. shows you the rugby world. Willem Strauss was actually over in Portugal. Oh, okay. And. And I said, because he's part of, uh, of it, of the concept as well. And I actually said to him, Willem, you know, I'm here. I can fly over to, <laughs> to Loftus with you, you know. But, uh, <laughs> but no, on a, on a serious note, I think it's, it's uh, the Sharks, obviously, the Springboks. Yeah, make a big back, difference. You know, yeah. I think makes a massive difference, you know, where the Bulls probably don't have that, um, yeah. you know, they don't have that luxury. But still, still a good game from both sides. I mean, the, the Bulls actually came to win, and and the Sharks just outplayed them in the in the second half. Yeah, and you know, intercept try as well. Uh, you 100%. know that that played its part. That played its part in that. Um, and the Bulls do, you know. And having spoken to Jake and and Chris when when they were over here, it's going to take them time. I know it's the South African derby, and the South African sides know how to play against each other, and the Sharks should take credit for that but talking about uh the competition over here where they part off it's going to take them time to to adjust yeah. to the pace of the game refereeing and and other styles of of playing so if we can if we can then just allude on the united rugby championships and obviously you've been in ireland for many a year now without the south africans being up there and and accustomed to your conditions and that and you know when when the South Africans went up to to Europe um, in the first four legs of the championship, we all said, or, well, everyone said, it's going to take time. It's going to take time. I do, however, think, and I, we, you can obviously see that. Um, but I do obviously think, from a coaching point of view, the the viewers might not always agree because sometimes you feel your team is just out of hiding or whatever. But there's a lot to learn from a player's perspective and coach's perspective. But how do you see? Being part of the Irish setup now for, for quite a while, and teams differ, I suppose, but how long do you think it will take before they not maybe not dominate the, the United Championship, but find their feet and start playing the way they could play in the in the north? Look, I hope it's gonna happen quickly because of the the kings and the cheaters that was part of it and didn't have success. Didn't have you know, patience yeah. here is running out you know everybody has got because the springboks do well everybody here has got this view oh south african rugby strong but then the provincial teams come over and you know in all honesty didn't challenge the the bigger yeah. guns that much you know so so for south african rugby i hope uh that it turns quickly because otherwise where are they going to turn next yeah. uh you know because of the investment and and everything that's in it so um, having spoken to to Willem and and to Jake and and so on, they they all of the opinion you know we want the uh, the monsters and the Leinsters and so on to come to come to Loftus and to come uh, to Alice Park and that sort of stuff you know but so on one hand um, I was disappointed to obviously COVID played its part in that again because Munster took over a young side. And to see how they'll do up in the high felt against, you know, a fully loaded bull side and so on. I think um, 
before that happens or when that happens, then we can say, yes, the South African side still have a long way to go. Yeah. Or no, look, it is it is tough for those sides to come come over to us as well without the international players that's preparing for the Six Nations, coming with young young talent and and so on. So I think it will take time to develop that, but um, I don't think they expect it to be uh, be being dominant uh, as they were by the other teams um, so early on. So just if we go quickly on the Loftus game that you're referring to, obviously it would have been nice to see, you know, when I went to Ireland, we had the pleasure of uh, joining Johan van Graan and them at the hotel and they actually spoke to us. So I've taken quite a quite a interest in, in Munster with all the changes happening there now, maybe over the year. Um, but if you, yeah. if you had to look at that Munster side specifically that you're referring to and you... I suppose you can't really twin it, but if you ever look at the game that the Bulls then played against the Sharks, what do you think could have happened in the Munster game? Because let's face it, Munster is one of the top uh, clubs in the world. Do you think it would have been an easy game for them if you compare the two, if you can? No, because I think, you know, Munster have changed their style of play. And, and you know, young guys coming through, they have got, and uh, it was a young side that went over to tour uh, without their nine international players and, and so on that stayed behind. Um, you know, so, but the style of play they play, they're not playing the traditional Munster rugby of, of old. So, so I think in that sense, although being at the high field and, and I felt and everything, I do think they could have, they could have caused the Bulls some problems, you know, um, but, you know, time, time will tell. The Bulls, yeah. as I say, at Loftus is a total different uh, yep. a different animal than, than when you play them away. And the refereeing in the competition is also something that, you know, they had to get, they had to get used to, you know, in South Africa, the Curry Cup gets refed a certain way and, and over here it gets refed differently. Yeah. If we then can move on to the Stormers Lions game, um, we spoke about the Lions here for a couple of weeks, saying that the Lions battle and they they can't seem to to get their their game together and they can't hit their steps. But suddenly now coming back and playing the Stormers, they they seem to have outplayed the Stormers. Although the the halftime score twelve thirteen to the Lions, um, second half they just dominated the game. Look, the Lions was probably if you take their Tour over here, they were probably the most successful team, uh, you know, when they when they played here at the start, and and I think they do play different different than the other. Uh, them and the Sharks probably play similar, you know, and and the Bulls and the Stormers, you can yeah. argue, play similar, you know. So, um, I do think the Lions. There was a lot of errors in the game, though, you know, and I and I think this skill set, for me, and that's I spoke to Chris Rousseau about this, you know. Every 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 side year will have a skills coach. Where, as I understand it, and I might be wrong, the South African provinces, the head coach or the assistant coach or so on, he, he's the skill coach as well. Where yeah, it will be a specific job, you know, and one guy will look after all the skill elements in the teams. And I do think, if you think of the South Africans and Arnu Buerta even came out with it and says he became a much better player when he when he joined Munster or left Munster now. Um, 
And I think all the South African players that come over here, uh, for some reason, go back better players. And I do think it's the attention to detail uh, that the coaches here offer that probably is not offered back home. It's all about, you know, our patterns and the team must play well and there's no individual coaching, uh, which I think happens a lot in the in the Northern Hemisphere. And the skill level is higher than what I would say uh, a South African player's skill level is. Do you, do you think the reason for that is, because obviously up north, this time of the year, there by you guys, it's very wet and then it snows and then it's this. Obviously, your attention to detail, body position as to how you're going to ruck and how you're going to receive a ball and how you're going to go into contact is slightly different than, let's say, the high field where it's dry conditions. And they get coached different, um, different ways of doing it. You know, where, where I sometimes get, and look, don't get me wrong, this is just a perception I have, but I sometimes get the feeling in South Africa there's one way to ruck and everybody rucks that, that way. And there's one way to place the ball and everybody does that. And there's one backline move and everybody does that. Where here, there's five or six different ways, you know, and if a line-out doesn't work, you're training on a Thursday and the line-out doesn't function break off in, in mini units and go and work on your timing of the jump or just go and work on your lifting technique, then come back and do the line-out where I get the feeling if a line-out doesn't in African rugby, it's let's do 10 more, you know, or yeah, let's do right. 15 more. It's not, it's not so let's fix the problem here and now. You know, it's let's go and watch a video and, and see what went wrong. And as I say, it's just a perception. But I do think that is a big is a big difference here. You know, I think um, personal skill level, personal skill coaching, um, you know, I think is much more important than the uh, the team patterns. Team patterns will fall into place anyway. So Dan, would you then say that our coach in Africa just doesn't have the oh no no I can't say doesn't have the ability, but doesn't want to break it down into those small little compartments that you spoke about that they would do it in the in the European countries? It's probably because, of, look, I don't know. It's, it might be other factors and so on, but I do think, um, you know, the, the collective uh, is very important in South African rugby, you know, the pattern of play and all of that where, where yeah, it's the same player, you know, um, okay. I mean, Josh van der Flyer in Ireland is a prime example. He got dropped from the Irish team, although he was still a very adequate number seven, but he was dropped because Andy Farrell said to him, he's not ball carrying enough. And he's came back. And I think of five games that he played, he's been man of the match in three or four, was outstanding for Ireland in the autumn series and so on. But he, he specifically went and improved his ball carrying ability. Um, you know, through through skill coaching and so on, and it might happen to the next guy with passing or tackling, or or whatever the case might be. So, Dan, if we talk about that and we talk about the skills, um, as we've alluded to slightly earlier, um, and you look at guys, South Africans specifically now that go to the north, and we spoke earlier about some of our players like the Faf de Klerk, and you yourself were a nine. Um, 
if you look at those guys, so so Fafterklad played for the box while he was here playing for the playing for the Lions, and then obviously he went to Sale Sharks, and it's it's a norm, northern hemisphere tradition. The the way they do things in the in the north is obviously slightly different to the south. Conditions are differently in that. But if you look at him now, uh, over the last three or four years that he's been that that he's been there, and now playing for the box, you see a different Fafterklad. And obviously, the skill levels there are different, and hence the fact that he has actually improved. And it's good for the South Africans to go overseas. Mm. No, definitely. And I do think game understanding as well. You know, how, how the tactical change with within the frame. You know, you look at, at uh, other players as well. Tyrone Green, Estrazen, you know, that's playing for Harlequins. Tyrone Green has always been a good player. But he's now an excellent player, yeah, you know, and and you know what's changed him? Is it coach philosophy? Is it playing philosophy? What has given him that that confidence to to excel? You know, and and I think it's you know I back in the day I spoke to Zane Kirshner. I still worked with Leinster when he was there, and he also just said the setup is so different and so individualized, you know, and so on. Do you think they get more freedom to play where we are more structured? I wouldn't say the free I wouldn't say freedom of play, but they understand the tactical change that happens where in so you know, say you play off a line out and the pattern is we hit it up once, we come around the corner and we play the forwards. Doesn't matter what picture is in front of the players. Yeah, My perception like is a South African team will play that. Yeah. Where we throw the ball, or we set it up in the midfield, but or our plan is to set it up in the midfield, but now the 13 in the defensive line didn't come up. So now I pass the ball. And now we just change from in the moment, we've made a different decision and now everybody just adapt. So I think players get coached a lot more to be adaptable here then um, they navigate their way a lot better around the field rather than replicate the, the situation the whole time. Do you then say that the players in, in Europe get more um, individual attention um, with the skills and, and, and game plan than what our players here get? I, I think the attention to detail, yes. And as I said before, I, I whenever I visit South Africa, I go and sit next to a field and have a look the whole time, you know, either at school or provincial training or stuff. And as I say, if, if a line-out doesn't work, it's okay, let's do 10 more. Or a guy misses five kicks to the post, it's do five more. It's not, okay, change this technical aspect or go and work on this technical area for two minutes and then we bring the collective uh, back together again. You know, I, I think that little bit of attention to detail, uh, they do more over here. You know, tackle tackle technique. You know, you don't have to tackle each other to improve your tackle technique. You know, um, so they work on footwork, a lot of exercises just on, on footwork and, and stuff like that, pre-contact. And and so on, and that then develops into the into the main skill itself during game. So do you do you then think then that, that if we talk about that, is a is a from from a South African point of view? Because if we talk skills specific, 
We also spoke earlier about in South Africa, your head coach could possibly be the skills coach as well, whereas in the north, you have a specific coach for all of that. Um, do you think it's a mindset thing on our side? Um, more so, I'm asking the reason that it's all like that. You know what I'm saying? No, no, I, I definitely think so. And I do think it's a trust issue then as well, you know. Um, and you just look at how well, you know, Zondag is doing, you know, from yeah, being in the yeah. Sharks, you know, then going over skills coach of Toulouse and now he's developed into a tech coach with uh, with Scotland and, and so on. You know, I, I do think it's the coaches being able to trust the skilled coach as well. I know Bram van Straten was a skilled coach at a, at a time in South Africa, but probably didn't yeah. get the trust of the head coach at that time to to work with the players as as he would have liked to, you know. So um, so I do think it's a combination. You've got to trust the people around you, but I, I definitely think there's there's room for skill coach, specific skill coaching in, in South Africa because a lot of rugby, when I go and or when I'm there and I watch school rugby or trainings and so on, it's a lot unopposed. Um, you know, where yeah, there will always be some form of uh, opposition. You want me to ask? <laughs> okay, so <laughs> that's what happens when you don't sit in studio. We all stare at each other. So, <laughs> so Dan, if I can then just ask this. Um, we, we spoke as well a little bit about the provincial sides and that. And this weekend, obviously, the Stormers played um, against the Lions. And some people might say it was quite a bit of an upset that the Lions actually beat the, the Stormers and so handsome, handsomely. Um, Obviously, there's a contrast in, in, in playing styles and, and all of that. So if you if you look at a game like that and you compare it to the Springboks, where the box went and played overseas, and obviously the skills are different, do you think that our coaches and players, well, the players go according to what the coaches say, but the, the, the coaches don't change their game plan because they go in with a game plan and they see there's a problem, but they won't necessarily have time for arguments that change it to a big game plan. Mm. And I'll get to that because that's what happened against France and New Zealand. So we'll check on that one just now. Yeah, and I do think analysis analysis on the other teams, you know, and do you do you analyse the teams to score first phase? You know, do you plan strike moves of, of scrum or line-out for a particular team that you're going to play against? Or do you plan to strike after the third phase? Do you manipulate the first three phases to look to strike then, you know, so I, I do think it comes to to analysis as well, you know, where, and this is not, um, how can I say this now, but for me, South African backline plays 9 to 12 and not 12 crash it up. I haven't seen a, a backline play where, you know, there's manipulation of the defence by alignment or so on, even before you get the ball. I think it's to get the patterns in play the strike plays are there to get the patterns of play in place rather than use the strike play to, to strike off. So, so if you say that, do you, say, do you actually say that we rely on our forwards too much, basically, because think, that's where they need to go? Yeah, I think so. And I think the top-level coaches are very experienced and know, you know, but if you go and ask 90% of, of school coaches in South Africa and you ask them, what system do you play? I bet you they'll say one three three one, yeah. But they don't know why they play a one. Why? No, no, I agree they with don't that, know, or they don't know if something goes wrong, how to fix it. 
because it's not their idea. Everybody plays a one-three-three-one, so I've got to play that. But what's the different players' roles and responsibilities yeah. in that? Is it easy to defend? Is it difficult to defend? Yeah. Or you come up with a defensive plan of how to defend it? Can they change it? That would be my challenge. You know, you're smiling because I, I I agree with you. Um, I was in a in a position as well where I joined a place, and I asked that same question: What what uh, pattern do you play? And I was told one three three one, and I said, "Great, explain one three three one to me." And they all looked at me because the coach says we play one three three one, and this was yeah. what we do. But they didn't understand why they had to do it, and who's actually supposed to be there. But I've had that same experience in my academy this uh, two weeks ago where I actually, all the players in it, I said, okay, at your club, what, what do you play? Because I'm trying to make them aware of a realignment game, same way, one three three one two four two 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 two, and the reasons why and their specific roles and responsibilities within that so that if they yeah. leave us and get coached by a certain coach, that they would be able to adapt. Mm-hmm. And the guys actually didn't know, half of them didn't know they explained a certain thing and then I'll say to them, okay, that's a one, three, three, one. Okay. That's a two, four, two. That's this. But the coach doesn't really understand it. So his players doesn't really understand it. And that causes some of the, some of the problems. Now I can, I can vouch for that. I've asked some coaches as well. What is your game plan? Then they just say, no, we run it off there. We run it off there. I said, but your structure is, do you play one, three, three, one, two, four, two, and they just look at me like that, and I think, okay, that's part of the problem, you know. So it, it's it's a, yeah, it's a vicious even circle. Your, even your players, you know, um, and then that comes back into field position game as well. Is yeah. rugby a field position game, or is it a numbers game? You know, why can't you attack from your own from your own goal line if they leave you three three defenders? And well, I know. <laughs> yeah. Speaking like that, uh, Tosh, if we can then, because Dan has just said that, if we can, if we can go to the France-New Zealand game, because there's yeah. a prime example of the French attacking from in their own in-goal area, and they nearly yeah. scored a try when Ntumak got that ball that uh, that New Zealand kicked through, and they attacked on the left wing. Yeah. No. Well, that was that was a little bit forced. <laughs> But, know, but, but I but I do think I do think they they've brought that into their play. If you watch their under yeah. 20 championship yeah. the last couple of years, if you watch their how Toulouse has started to play, if you watch La Rochelle, uh, you know, their their top sides have changed the way they've gone about things. The national side as well, you know, they'll they'll play into space if the space is there, whether they on their own goal line or not. So I just want to ask a last question on my side uh, before I end up with the customer we close. Um, uh, interesting thing that happened this year in the, in the November autumn tests, um, the Northern Hemisphere made it very, very difficult for the Southern Hemisphere to win games. And the last round is the first time that the top three in New Zealand, South Africa and Australia all lost in the same weekend. Obviously there is, but what do you think is the difference of late between the north and the south that that gap has got so close? Uh, different, difficult, <laughs> but but again, I, um, you know, I, I do think they ask more attacking questions than, would, uh, than what they would have in the past. 
you know, in the northern hemisphere. Northern hemisphere, when I when I grew up, it was eight forwards, pass to ten, ten kicks at. You know, Ronan O'Gara's era here in, in Ireland, yeah. pretty much the same. Even much of Johnny Sexton's era, Scotland, the same. But I do think the coaches that's in charge now have have come with a with a different mindset. Eddie Jones haven't. He got it right in the semi-final of the World Cup and haven't got it right <laughs> since. And that's probably why he changes his attack coach the whole time because he wants to find that that formula as well. But, and but you know, you look, at Scot- you look at Scotland with with Gregor Townsend. You look at yeah. you look at Ireland, even Wales for that matter. Uh, Pivak plays a different style than what yeah. um, his predecessors would have done. So. So I do think it's it's they've got more attacking threats and attacking ability now because although defence is still a big part, I think that saying of defence wins you games, I think that's more now good attack is gonna is gonna win you games as well. Look, I just want to correct you there. Now Northern Hemisphere is four out of four, huh? not three out of three. I agree, if you count the others, but I was just talking South Africa and New Zealand and Australia. No, I hear you 100%. I mean, most of the Northern Hemisphere uh, teams over that four or five week period did very well. um, And that's why the people here was so disappointed. I was happy, but the people here was so disappointed when the Lions lost to South Africa, you know. Uh, now, as I say, I was I was delighted um, because they have to wait another twelve years to to do it. But it was because of the the style of play. You know, I think yeah. if the Lions went out with a positive attitude, you know, they could have caused South Africa more problems. But uh, your obviously your blood is green. Um, not yeah. green iron green, but green South Africa green, <laughs> um, and that is that is part of the reason why you why you hope that the, that the box would beat the Lions. Um, <laughs> you could definitely see though when when obviously the Lions went back to the unions and and so forth, they would have learned a heck of a lot coming to South Africa to play in the in the in the Lions series here, and you could actually see it in those internationals because. Gone is the day where the coach dictates, especially in the north. When I came to your academy, we spoke about the difference in South Africa, where it's not all the coaches, but more autocratic than in the north, where that's more open in the north and the players have more say. So obviously, with these guys going back to the unions, they had a massive part to play in their success story, playing against the the Southern Hemisphere teams. Yeah, I just think you have to you have to make your players aware. And make them capable of playing playing whatever style is needed on the day, and against the opposition that it's going to be there, it's going to be different. I I think the days are gone where you just play your way and you're going to be successful all the time, you know. Um, and and the top European sides at the moment, they they can can mix it, you know, on uh, and play different different styles. But I do agree with you. I do think the players themselves. Took a lot of confidence off the loss of the Lions and and said, if we're going to have a more attacking mindset, we can we can beat these guys. I mean, that was the biggest difference in Ireland's uh, game against the All Blacks is they just had a, a attacking mindset and yeah. the All Blacks had to defend, and they didn't know how to defend at at pace. And the difference there is, even South Africa, we put them under pressure than New Zealanders. 
But the Irish did was from the beginning right into the 90th minute, if it could have gone that far, that's how, how much pressure they put on them. And the All Blacks obviously aren't used to that. Yeah, and then France did it the week after as well, you know, and, and, yeah. and that's why, you know, now that South African sides aren't in Super Rugby anymore, I, I personally think New Zealand will find it difficult, you know, because they're yeah. not going to have those uh, guys that play a different style oh, against them. Yeah. They're going to all play the same way and learn how to defend a certain way. But then suddenly in a World Cup, you you play against South Africa or whatever, and you have to you have to defend differently or attack differently. Yeah, no, definitely. Norman, thank you very much. Um, our time, unfortunately, has run out again. Um, Dan, once again, thank you for joining us and thank you for sharing your thoughts and all your great ideas and um, all your experience in, in Ireland. Thank you. Oh, no, thanks. And, and we do a lot of things wrong, you know, and, and so on, but we learn all the time. Like I said, I learned now in Portugal again, you know, from, from coaches there, you know, we, we discussed a lot of rugby matters. I just think don't be afraid to discuss rugby matters, but be your, be yourself. Don't be, don't copycat someone. Um, you know, be, be your own coach with your own philosophy, work out the reasons why, why you coach and, and how you coach. Yeah. Now, thanks for that, Dan. And, and I agree with you, you know, coaches never too old to learn. Um, you know, you learn different things. I mean, when I went to your academy, there was that youngster there by you that uh, did the defensive thing. And Joe. I sat there, yeah. yeah, Joe, yeah. And I sat there, I said, where did this kid come from? I think he was 21 or 22 at that stage. It's incredible. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we still said he'll be he'll be part of the uh, the Irish setup at one stage because he was phenomenal. So, any case, just in closing from our side, thank you very much for always being keen to chat with us. Um, all the best with the, with the Rugby Academy Island. And, uh, you know, I really, from, from a coaching point of view, um, I think you've proved you've proved that you deserve to go one up again or two up or three up even. Um, so all the best for you from a touchline point of view. We'll you'll be our friend and, and Rugby Academy Island will be our friend and may this continue for a long time. Ah, listen, thanks a million. Thanks for having me. And I really hope so. You know, I really hope that if I'm in South Africa, I can add value to whatever you guys are doing. And then whenever you guys can come over here again. It, it will be a pleasure to host you. Perfect. Thank you. Much appreciated. We'll definitely okay. push on your button. <laughs> okay. Thank Brilliant. you very much. Thanks gentlemen. a million. Thank you very Thank much. Us. Thanks, Thanks Mark. Thanks a lot, James. Thank Cheers. you very much. And thank you for tuning in to Touchline. From myself, Gus Pels and Mark Cameron, have a great rugby week. <laughs>